Blog Talk Radio. Under the guise of a fair trial, both the victim's family and the accused seek justice. Arthur Smith was murdered decades, decades ago in Bellefontaine, Ohio. George Skate has spent 38 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Smith's daughter, Sheila Lyle, will not stop seeking justice for her father and collectively for George Gates, as she knows the real killer is still out there. Tonight, we review a very telling letter that was anonymously anonymously sent, yet it was established as to who actually wrote the letter. This is a tell-all with me, Tanya Hathaway, and Sheila Lyle, Arthur Smith's daughter, tonight on... Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB-FM Lighthouse Christian Radio out of Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. It is Sunday, November 7, 2021. Good evening, everybody, and thank you very much for tuning in. I'm going to start out saying hello to my mom. Hello, mom there in New England. Much love is being sent to you. Warm hugs and lots of love. I'd also like uh, to mention some housekeeping. I will not be on Tuesday evening uh, because I am going to see one of my sons play basketball in his college basketball game. So, if you have yourselves, you know, plugged in for Tuesday evening, please make sure that you plug in for the following next Tuesday evening, okay? Now, tonight's show is also um, in coordination with Marcel Reed and uh, in coordination uh, with Marcel Reed and the annual blowers with the annual. <laughs> Let me get it together tonight because I'm a little tongue twisted, twisted tongue, huh? <laughs> And the annual whistleblower summit, and it's also brought to you in coordination with Journeys to Justice Incorporated, a non-for-profit. And uh, and again, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in here tonight. And some other more quick. Um, I, I don't know if I should call it housekeeping, but we did bring it up uh, last Sunday evening. Uh, Julius Jones, it was the night before his clemency hearing. He was the pardon and parole board did recommend clemency. It was three to one, three to one for clemency. So now this is in the hands of Governor Sitt in Oklahoma. So there's been many people that have um, sent in their letters of recommendations and in support of Julius Jones. So if you're following that case, please do reach out uh, to Governor Sitt and ask him to follow the board, the pardon and parole board's recommendations, as that is another man 
that is innocent, that is wrongfully convicted. The Pardon and Parole Board does not base their full decisions at all on the fact of whether uh, somebody is innocent or not. In fact, it's, it's a matter of whether somebody is worthy of being paroled or actually being given clemency, which is a huge hurdle, a huge hurdle. However, it was mentioned in the clemency hearing as well as when he was uh, recommended for parole that there are still outgo- there are still factors that lead people to believe uh, considerable factors that he's innocent. So let's never, ever, ever, ever consider any kind of death penalty when there are these wrongful convic- convictions out there, whether you believe in the death penalty or not. Jimmy Rogers' testimony seems to be the only so-called evidence that was relied upon to prosecute George Gates. Yet Jimmy Rogers is a notorious criminal and jailhouse snitch The would and did. He said anything to set himself free. So why did he name George? Well, we're going to talk more about that tonight in this next hour with Sheila Lyle. But if you have any information, if you have any information whatsoever, because we know the Logan County is really tuned into this tonight, and we want to thank you, listeners, for being here. If you have any information, please contact the current prosecutor there. Also, if you want an anonymous tip line, contact me at journeystojustice at Outlook. Journeys to Justice, Outlook.com, if you just want to talk, if you just want to talk. But I want to say hello to Sheila and how are you tonight. And I, I didn't say this last time, but I should say it every single time that you and I talk. I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you, Tanya. It's good to be here tonight. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. We're glad to have you back on, and we hope that... Um, you know, this is going to lead to some kind of closure for for you, for 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 many, for the family of, of George Gates, for your family, for um, and to to get the real to get the real person who's still out there wandering around. Uh, before I get to that letter, I'm going to just mention a few statistics, just briefly about. Snitch testimony, which is also known as, you know, jailhouse informant. Okay? According to the Innocent Project, jailhouse informant testimony is one of the leading contributing factors of wrongful convictions nationally, playing a role in nearly one in five. One in five of 367 DNA-based exoneration cases. That's, that's something else. So So there's out of just those 367, which is far from all of them, but out of 367 DNA-based exoneration cases, one in five of them was put behind bars because of Smith's testimony. Okay? Um, Jailhouse informants are people in prison who are incentivized to testify against the defendant in exchange for a benefit, which can include leniency in one's case. We know in the matter of Jimmy Rogers' testimony, it meant freedom despite 
his violent crimes, something that George Gates is believed to have never participated in, for those that know the case, for those, those that actually know the cases, actually, I should say. <laughs> Excuse me, according to PewTrust.org, in an article about death penalty reform, the question is, who determines if jailhouse snitch testimony is valid? Well, this is what comes into play. The jury should be instructed to take into account several factors indicating the extent to which testimony is credible, including, one, explicit or implied inducements that the jailhouse snitch received may and may receive or will receive those inducements. Like, what is it? Are they going to get ice cream? Are they going to get unlimited visits? Are they going to get special preferential treatment? That is common for snitch and jailhouse testimony. That's very, very common. Okay, number two, the, um, the prior criminal history of the informant. The full prior criminal history of the informant is supposed to be exposed, supposed to be enlightened to the jury. And as well, whatever evidence there might be as well. Okay, that's just like a snippet of the many, 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 many volumes uh, of uh, and, and uh, articles of snitch testimony research uh, that there has been done out there. So for the most part, good prosecutors do not use snitch testimony because they are not considered overall to be concrete, credible matters of evidence that you put before a court that goes to trial. Now, don't you know that you get to actually question somebody's credibility when somebody is giving testimony? I know we see it on TV and all that stuff, but it's actually true. This is something that's actually true. You get to question the, the, the credibility of any witnesses. You have the right to face your accuser. Well, George Gates didn't exactly and wasn't exactly afforded that right for a multitude of inappropriate reasons. And guess what? Neither were Arthur Smith's family afforded that opportunity because they wanted to know who the real killer was from the very beginning. They believed it was not who ultimately wound up being accused uh, and, and sentenced in this murder. How are you doing there, Sheila? Okay. <laughs> I'm still here. Okay, so so during the trial, there were some people that were not actually available to be questioned, and we talked about that briefly last week, and that uh-huh. included Arthur Smith's wife and, Ar- yeah. and Arthur Smith's daughter, and uh, the trial was allowed to continue without... Uh, that without cross-examination 
of the wife and without testimony, I believe, at all of the daughter. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Mary Ann had been questioned, put on the stand, and then she asked permission to be excused because she, which I knew uh, uh, before the trial, she a pre-planned trip, group trip to Monte Carlo, and she asked to be excused to be able to go on that trip. And um, it was granted. Uh, Lou Williams said, all right. Uh, The judge said, you know, agreed it would be all right. Now, my husband and I had uh, really stressed with uh, the defense lawyer, Lou Williams, that we wanted her cross-examined. And 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 Cassie, her daughter, we wanted her cross-examined also. And she, they told us the day before the trial was to start, she can't be found. She was subpoenaed, but she could not be found. And they went on with the trial. Um, uh, she was hid out. Uh, and so and um, uh, that's just not right. Uh, and the uh, that should not happen. I'm sorry. And, and in fact, my stepmother went on from Monte Carlo to Germany to where her mother lived, where she was from, and she stayed there until, you know, the trial was over, and then she returned. Oh, so she sought refuge just in case, in my opinion. It sounds like she sought refuge. The reason why this is so important, listeners, is because uh, actually Mary Ann, which is Sheila's, was Sheila's stepmother at the time, uh, she was considered a person of interest at the very least in the very beginning uh-huh. of. Well, the uh, the closest to the murder victim is always. Um, looked at uh, uh, first, uh, uh, to my knowledge, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and the rest of the family. We we were all you know told that we were all suspects. Uh, right. <laughs> right. You know right. until until we were you know uh, eliminated. Um, but what this le- what this letter tonight is going to um, show us though, is going to be more reasons than just process of elimination because of a familial relationship. Um, This is a very compelling letter, and I don't know if uh, you want to say uh, on air, I'm, I'm going to use the discretion with you about this, because we know who sent this anonymous letter. Uh, but do you want uh-huh. to say who this who this letter uh, was found to be from? And it's been forensic, forensically uh, proven that who well, this it's, letter is it's from. Well, ma- as a matter of record, I had two FBI agents set up my in my kitchen and tell me that a few years ago that they identified who it was by handwriting. They had talked with the person and he had. Admitted it. Um, 
Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a matter to... of record, um, and and no, that you, is, it's... pardon. Go. You go ahead. Uh, and that is, I was told that it was Lou Williams, the lead defense lawyer, that uh, George and Cindy Skates had hired to defend him. Okay, and Cindy Skates was his wife at the time. Yes, yes, his wife at the time. So there are, um, so there's uh, seven pages of, of letters here, and we're going to, of, of a letter here, and we're going to try to make it through all of it tonight, uh, but it's going to take up our, it's going to take up our hour, for sure, uh-huh. because we want to talk, we want to talk about that. Now, uh-huh. Lou are, Williams are you, was hit. I'm sorry. Are you going to read the letter and then so much of it at a time and then discuss it? Oh, so much of it at a time. Okay. Just so much of it at a time and talk about it. I think that's Uh the best way to do to do it. But well, so well. Also, before we get into the letter, Jimmy Rogers was backed up, and his wife also testified. uh, uh, Also. with her husband, uh, Diane Rogers, and they used her testimony also to convict George, and and she had been convicted before a perjury, <laughs> and and I think that's important to to be said. <laughs> right now, now the see the thing is this letter is very very uh, persuasive. It is. It, and and it it certainly all seems to make perfect sense, and there's mm. reasons why this letter is written. But right now, you know, Lou Williams is is not anywhere near Ohio. And um, but but the thing is, at the time, as you had disclosed to me before, I'm not sure if you had disclosed this on air. You know, in the beginning, his defense attorney was gung-ho ready to go to work to be a zealous attorney for George Gates in defense of his innocence. And yet when it came to trial, something happened between that time and actually in trial defending George. So Uh did he cross-examine Diane Rogers, given that she had been – charged with perjury before was I, I can't answer that because uh, when you're a witness in, in, in a murder trial you you're only allowed to be in the courtroom when you testify so okay. you're never in there to to really know oh and there are there transcripts has anybody ever had the complete transcripts uh, uh yes yes uh, um okay but i can't answer that question okay. right now that's a fair that's a fair answer so that would be something that would be interested uh, interesting to look through all the transcripts and i actually do believe that i have a copy of all the transcripts but i just uh-huh. probably have not gone through that portion of it yet because there's a there's a lot of it uh boxes and boxes of of information boxes and boxes (laughs) that uh thanks thanks to you and your husband um that you were able to you know over the years 
you know, and now, of, of, of course, also, you know, his daughter has gone through things meticulously and, and is, you know, doing all uh-huh. that she can um, to seek justice as, as well. Um, uh, my brother, Michael, also testified in the trial uh, uh, about the Volkswagen the, because he worked on it and put it together after my father bought it. That's right, and and that's another interesting uh, uh, contradiction regarding the Volkswagen, and will uh-huh. and that will be an, in in a future show uh, that will that we can talk about those other contradictions yes. uh, for sure. Now, in uh-huh. all fairness, um, the first thing that uh, Mr. Williams does say is all statements in this letter are totally to be taken as my opinions, but my opinions might be true. Now, Uh how soon after the trial did you actually get this letter in your hands? Because this letter was sent to your family, correct? It was sent to, to, uh, it was addressed to my husband. And, and I can't remember exactly now, it's been so long, but it was, I would say, within a month of the trial or, or less. Uh, or less. The only thing on the, that is stamped on the envelope is the year, you know, which was 1984. Mm-hmm. And he wrote at the very end of his letter, June 11, 1984. Oh, so, okay. Yep. So I was okay. just wondering, yeah. you know, can yeah. you hold on to it? It is on this one people... sheet, yes. You're right. Yeah. I'm sit- sitting here looking right at it. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. Yep. So, All right. So events happen in Logan County after I send you a letter, he said, especially if I make a copy of that letter and to send a, co- a copy to the prosecutor and the Belafonte uh a city prosecutor about one and a half weeks ago. Now, mind you, this is back in 1984, and as you said, this is after the trial. Uh-huh. I sent you a handwritten letter telling you my opinion. Then a man named George Gates was framed for a murder and sent to the penitentiary on liar's testimony. Now, mind you, listeners, every time he writes the word liars, liar, it's, it's in uppercase. Liar's testimony, no evidence against George Gates, only liar's testimony. Now, what letter is he referring to, or did he do this Tarantino style? Did he go back? So was there another he, letter? He, he tore off the edge where he must have had someone else's name on on this original that he sent us, and my guess is that uh, this this letter, in 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 the last page, has the bottom of it tore off, just a short bit of it. Um, yeah. He he sent, you know, he says to to uh, the city prosecutor in in Bell Fountain, you know, uh, county prosecutor. So. I think that's – we only got one letter, so I assume this is the letter he he is stating. 
Right. Yep, because he wraps he wraps or or, or we simply didn't get another letter. I but I, uh, uh, I I've been thinking about that today, and and uh, I would say this is the letter, the only one, you know. Mhm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because he he comes around in full circle towards the end of this letter, saying again who he's going to also send the letter to. Yeah. Uh huh. So, So he continues on and says, now, just to keep facts straight, George Gates is not a, air quotes, nice guy. Gates made his living by stealing. The liars and the liar, and every time he says liar here, he is referring to Jimmy Rogers, who is, even though he does not say so in this in this letter, but we know that that's who he's referring to because he's talking about the snitch testimony, and that's fair yes. enough to come yes. to that conclusion, correct? Yes. Okay. So he, that Skates made his living by stealing. The liar and George Skates actually have partnered in crime and even went interstate, so that made everything a federal matter. What's it, what would the motive be for framing Okay, and we'll get on to that in a minute. Now, can you clarify to the listeners, please, uh, because obviously you've been part of this case for, you know, ever since your father was murdered. Um, Can you clarify to the listeners what they're talking about regarding George Skates and his character? And you can compare it to, you know, you can compare it because we want all full disclosures. And if somebody made their living robbing, for a period of time or or whatever it was you know well, yes he you know he he done robberies in in a, a few but he do, he he was uh, also done some forging but um he he uh he straightened out his life he was straightening out his well, life. he was trying to straighten out his life and he had gotten out the last time and it had been 7 years that he would be, held a job and was trying to go you know straight and uh right. then all this just you know came about um and, and George does not um he will he will admit he'll say i you know i done this i done that i you know i i wasn't uh i i was a criminal but but that doesn't make you a murderer and and he's now 75 years old he's not the same person he was then you know I'm not the right. same person I was years ago. <laughs> right, um, right. And and if he if, and and if he was in jail for robbery or in prison for robbery, his sentence would have long been served. Oh yes. Um, yes. So let let the punishment fit the crime, and uh, his his punishment does not fit the crime when he is wrongfully con- convicted of of a murder that. He, Yes, and you know if George does something wrong, he'll he'll tell you. Uh, uh, he he admits what he's done wrong, but if he's innocent, he he yells his innocence. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would too. Uh, yes, yes, 
yep, it's it's important to stand up for your innocence. And uh, even, you know, a, a quick fast forward, they had basically um, offered, well, actually, I'm not going to get into that because I'm not sure if that's this case or not, so I won't uh-huh. get into that. Now, uh-huh. prior to prior to his going to prison for the death of Arthur Smith, for the murder of Arthur Smith, had he been in prison before or county jail or what, what's oh, your knowledge he, on that? He had been in prison before. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna, yeah. then I'm going to correct the record because I was told once by a different advocate that he had never been to prison before. So thank you very yeah, much yes, for correcting he, the record. He had been, but I haven't got it written down, so I, I'm not okay. going to say, okay. you know. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much for that because I want what only what you know correct yeah. to be stated on on the show or or, or otherwise. Okay. Uh-huh. So the letter continues. What would be the motives for framing George Gates for the for the Logan County murder of Art Smith? Well, there were three motives. One, Art Smith's murder was a high-profile murder. Art Smith was manager of the Bellefontaine Rinks store, and he was abducted and murdered after closing hours in what seemed to be a robbery. Art Smith was tied up, robbed of a considerable amount of Rinks store money, taken to an isolated piece of property close to Bellefontaine, and it was then that Art Smith was gruesomely there, that Art, then that Art Smith was uh, gruesomely murdered, Uh, with a handgun, and as he lay there helplessly and tied up on the ground. His murder did not settle at all well with the God-fearing people of Logan County, Ohio. People never let the county prosecutor, uh, McGillery, is that how you pronounce it? McGillery, yes. McGillery, forget that this Uh crime needed to be solved. So McGillery wanted that Arthur Smith murder solved to help in McGillery's re-election. So, I mean, what do you have to say about that and the, and the history of that prosecutor at the time? Uh, well, he had been in office, I think, a total of 16, over 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 as I said the other night, he 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 was a, 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 a smart lawyer. He he was a good lawyer, but he had a, another side, and and uh, he he was involved in a lot of things, which I really don't want to spell out. Um, okay. But you know, it's 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 in all the the investigation, you know, uh, in in writing. Uh, right. Okay, so let's move on to the t- the second motive. The second uh, motive uh, for framing George. Well, well as it, it let, let me state here: this letter isn't exactly right in in this, you know, the the. Uh, the person that wrote it because my father was not taken directly out there. The evidence does not show that or point to that, that he was taken out there where he was found and nor was he there the whole time. And the autopsy proves that. Uh, Right. The report 
prove that. So thank yeah. you. And I and I wanted to bring that up uh, as a, as a pause during that oh, letter. So okay. thank you so okay. much. No, I'm glad. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So that was proven to be untrue. That hypothesis, mm-hmm. you know, that that uh, he had established that he he was murdered out in the field. That is mm-hmm. actually not true. Because can you give the scenario? To the listeners that um, that the medical examiner uh, examiner provided, um, as far as the amount of time, uh, his body did not show uh, decomposition um, uh, of someone that could have been out there the whole nine days, and and um, uh, that's. I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, they believe that maybe he was kept somewhere cold. Yeah, they believe he was kept somewhere else. At first, I there was theories he might have been in kept in in um, a tub of water, uh, but most likely he was kept in a, a, a freezer. Okay. Okay. And because the weather gruesome. had changed and, and it got warmer, it got up to 70 or more during that week, that nine days that he was missing, and there was no way his body could have been out there nine days. So the belief is that he was murdered and they just did not know what to do with his body at the time. I That's what I assume. Uh, okay. And and yet the pressure uh, and was, also the, the scene on. where he was found doesn't uh, they didn't think that was the where you know it didn't indicate bl- with blood or otherwise that 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 was where he was shot and and bled out. Okay, this is kind of hard to say, but you know I'm I'm used right. to going through this, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, Right, right. Uh There would have been more blood that would have been gone into the earth and they would have been able to architecturally and forensically determine that, or not architecturally, what's the word I'm looking for. Anyways, we'll we'll, we'll move Uh on. Um, Uh Motive two, the real killers and the covering up of the killing also wanted the Art Smith murder solved, but they wanted... It stuck on someone else who didn't do it. Someone with a bad name, like George Skate of Marion, Ohio. Now, what do you have to say about that? The real killers, now that's kind of an interesting implication right there. The real killers, obviously, they didn't want to be found out, but that they wanted it stuck on somebody else with a bad name that would be believable. Yes, because uh, there 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 was law enforcement involvement. It, it's indicated, and and you know they couldn't have that come out. Uh, it, it's complicated because there's a, there was so many things going on and coming together at the same time. Um, um, but the, the but the letter really does lead a compelling path 
to very well. Yes, yes, he he isn't really uh, everything. Just but but he he knew you know pretty much what how it took place, and there's reasons why he knew that. Well, the ha- yes, uh, how I I I don't know, but. Uh, Mhm. I I've okay. never ta- I've never talked to him since a trial. Uh, I would like to. Uh, is there any way to track down? Do you know where he is actually? Well, he is was anybody? Be, he was supposed to be in Columbus, Ohio, where where he lived and practiced. Um, that's what I've been told a few months ago. Uh, it hasn't been that long. Oh, that he does live in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, he oh, he always okay. ha- he always okay. has. I, oh, it's my understanding that he had moved. Okay, so my understanding was wrong. Hmm. Okay, the Not, third I haven't was, heard anything. You know that that he doesn't. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, interesting. Uh, I wonder. I wonder how old he is right now. Uh, well, I really didn't know how old he was at the time. So, um, um, I, you know, he's not practicing anymore. So, um, I, uh, to my knowledge, uh, so I, you know, he has to be retirement age uh, mm-hmm. anyway, or more. Uh-oh. Did he seem older than you at the time? Younger than you at the time? Because you were I, you were thirty eight, right? Thirty seven. But okay. uh, um, yes, I kind of. But I don't think he was a lot older. Okay. All right. So <laughs> he's probably retired then. Okay. Let's talk about the third motive in his letter. He says. He writes, the third motive was that Marion County law enforcement people knew George Gates. Okay, I'm sorry, somebody just sent me something. The the third motive was that uh, Marion County law enforcement people knew George Gates was living a life of crime, but they couldn't catch him on anything that would stick. So when the liar, so when the liar was caught, George Gates' partner, which is Jimmy Rogers, uh, was at the time, and sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary, Marion police, who were aware of the Smith robbery murder, talked to the liar, a.k.a. Jimmy Rogers, and placed a story in his mouth. The liar then told his story to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and they promptly called him a liar and gave no credibility whatsoever to the liar. And at that point, the matter was dropped. And then I, my, I, I, I was okay. told that at the time. Uh, okay. Now, go ahead. Um, so, can can I ask you, do you? I hope you don't mind. Can I ask you? 
how old are you now? So people get the sense of the age of Lou Williams, his defense attorney, what he might uh, be now. Uh, I'm 79. I'll be 80 in March. <laughs> okay. And you have been you have been at this for many many years. And, and I've worked so with I've worked with anyone that uh, you know has um, uh, looked me up. You know, and I we you know we when right after the trial and a, a few times over the years we tried different things, but nothing seemed to uh, do any good. <laughs> uh, this was suppressed. Is is they're still trying to suppress it. Um, they 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 don't want it uh, coming to light, and I can but understand that. <laughs> oh sure, sure. Um, they don't want to be doing a life sentence for their uh, crimes. No. Um, um, okay. So uh, at that point, the matter was dropped. Months later, Logan County Prosecutor McElroy decided to prosecute George Skates, but only after a second liar was found. The second liar was also in the penitentiary, and it turned out, as it turns out, the second liar was never put on the witness stand because he was a poor liar, and McElroy didn't want the second liar to mess things up. Now, let's remember, McGillery was up for re-election, okay? So uh-huh. the summary of the motives, one, get the Art Smith murder off the books, two, cover up the real killers, and three, get bad man George Gates in prison. Well, if George Gates did not murder Art Smith, then who really did? And uh, this is where we move on to some very, very compelling information here, listeners. Are you, are you, are you ready for this? Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of people in Logan County that are aware of it, including people who might have participated in it that are listening right now. Oh, um, I hope they're listening. <laughs> I hope they are, too. <laughs> I hope they are too. Art Smith's wife, Annabella Fontaine police officer named Dean Ransbottom, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Officer Ransbottom got himself so here is the statement. If he if uh if George Gates did not commit the murder, then who really did? And then the next statement, the next writing is Art Smith's wife and a Bella Fontaine police officer named Dean Ransbottom. Okay? Dean Ransbottom and Arthur Smith's wife, Marianne. She was Smith at the time. I don't know what she is now. Officer Ransbottom got himself assigned to the Smith murder as the chief investigator. Now, you're going to find out, listeners, just how he managed to get himself assigned as the chief investigator if he was actually somebody who was at least partially responsible for the murder 
of Arthur Smith, according to the defense attorney, Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm not sure at what point you know he this was discovered, but it, uh, uh, by by the police chief John Harvey. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what was supposed to have taken place. That yeah, and this is only an hour show tonight, so we're not <laughs> going to get through the whole thing. This is going to this is going to be a hanger, and it's not set up <laughs> like this on purpose. But but this is definitely going to be a hanger. Um, but it's going to go to show the importance of this story being told, and this is only a part of it. And mm-hmm. you listeners can decide for yourselves as these compelling writings are shared with you and therefore after the writings are all shared with you, by the time we get through them all, all of the other contradictions that led the wrongful conviction of George Skate that to this day has a man in a, on a life sentence behind bars and Sheila Lyle and her family have not realized justice who the true murderer is for their family they have not ever been able to experience that closure oh goodness we've got a fire alarm going off here and there's it's just oh i'm somewhere right now where people don't know how to cook without um without the fire alarm going off so i hope that this isn't too disturbing uh i'm not leaving the room don't tell on me anybody Uh, (laughs) okay so i'm in a complex right now um so Keep in mind that the base, the defense attorney basically threw the case after an evening visit at the prosecutor's office. This is what just somebody just wanted me to remind you all of. The defense attorney had a visit with the prosecutor's office, and it was after that, it was after that that he stopped zealously working on behalf of George Gates. So... Back to the letter. Okay. At the George Gates trial, how bad is that buzzer? Can we get through it? Hopefully it'll be off in a few minutes. At the George Gates trial, Art Smith's stepson got up on the witness stand. Well, it's not stepson, son-in-law. That was a mistake in there. Oh, yeah, I meant to ask you about that. Yeah, Actually, I meant to ask you about that. Okay, I had a question mark over about that. <laughs> or that such as son-in-law. Okay. All right. At the George Gates trial, Art Smith's son-in-law, and that's a correction, got up on uh-huh. the witness stand, and that was your husband. Yes. Bruce. And claimed, and that's your husband, Bruce. Okay. 
and uh, and claimed that Art Smith's wife had taken part in the killing. I'm going to repeat that. At the Art at the George Gate trial, Art Smith's son-in-law Bruce, your husband Sheila, Sheila's husband, listeners, got up on the witness stand and claimed that Art Smith's wife had taken part in the killing. The stepson is named Bruce Lyle, and yeah. he claimed to have found wire in the home of Art Smith after the murder that matched the wire that was used to tie up Art Smith. But Bruce Lyle could not get someone, could not name someone that had helped Smith's wife in the murder. It did not make sense that Smith's wife acted alone in this matter. There had to be someone acting with her, but Bruce Lyle was at a loss to name that person. Well, my goodness, it's not your husband's job to name that person. It's up to the investigator to go find that person. So that Go ahead. He, he 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 didn't think she'd done it, you know, herself. But she, she we thought strongly she had a part in it and knew, knew what happened. Did they ever take the wire that Bruce found? Did they? Was that ever confiscated? Well, he he. He knew Dad had a boat. It wasn't in his house. It was in a boat. He had a small boat parked beside the house, and he had been working on it. And he, some of the same wire was in that boat that he was using on it. Mhm. Mhm. And um, that's where that came from. Right, but it doesn't. But they still did not. And he went to the store, and they didn't have, I guess, the same kind in the store, but uh, in rink store. Now I don't know where it came from, but uh, but it's probably from a marine shop or something. If you uh, use for his boat, uh, I uh, probably. But was that, are you aware, do you know if that was ever confiscated or if Marianne, his wife at the time, was ever questioned about that wire? I, or I it have was no, just dismissed? Yeah, I, I have no idea uh, okay. in that part. Uh, so those are a couple of things that would be interesting uh, to find out uh-huh. um, from their transcripts. Um, from the transcripts of the trial. Okay. So it's a matter of Bellefontaine. We'll continue with the letter. It's a matter of Bellefontaine Police Department policy to escort staff managers, store managers, uh, to banks late at night to deposit cash receipts in the night box, in the in the uh, in the night deposit, but only if the store manager calls the police for an escort. Art Smith usually did call for a police escort. On that night, on that night of the robbery murder, Bellefontaine Police Chief Harvey claims there was no record of Art Smith calling for a police escort. Now, you 
have stated and others have stated that Art Smith, your father, was a creature of habit. Correct? Yes, yes, he was. Uh, uh, you, yes, he'd done things pretty much the same all the time. Uh, to, to my knowledge, he didn't, and Marianne said he didn't, you know, uh, have a police escort. Now, uh, he would just, to my knowledge, he would just... In, um, call in the police department uh, saying I am now, you know, close, the store is secure and I'm closing it. And they played a recording for me, I think the prosecutor's office, where it, uh, that night, and you could hear him walking to the door, you could hear the door open and close. And everything appeared to be all right inside that store when he, and he, he went, left it locked it mm-hmm. up. Uh, 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 to my knowledge, he didn't call for an escort. You know. Uh, okay. Of course, he of course he had a habit. He changed his habit all the time, and of when and how he made the deposit. Um, if so he took he it out at night, he had it disguised. So okay. Right. He so never he took it out in the open. It, it would look like when he left, he didn't have anything on him. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So then we go on to, and again, I'm sorry about the buzzer, listeners. Um, hopefully it's going to go off in a few minutes, but we really only have uh, about five minutes left of the of the show. Mm-hmm. But he was a creature of habit in general, like when oh. he came home from work and and oh, and, oh and yes, he, he we knew where he was. All somebody did all the time. I mean, he never dropped out. You know, no one out of sight. You know, he never stopped off for a drink. Or I was questioned about that at the time. I said, no, he wasn't in the habit of doing that. You know, he didn't do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he he was a workaholic. He took his work seriously, and and uh, he was either at the store or he left there. He went straight home. Uh, okay, so now we are going to continue with this, and and uh, right before we get to the motive, or just as we get to the motive, we are going to uh, we're we're going to end this show, and we'll continue it on next Sunday. I believe Art Smith, back to the letter, I believe Art Smith was met late at night at the door of the rink store by Bellefontaine's police officer, Dean Ransbottom. Now remember, listeners, the man who, well, okay, we'll, I'm, we'll leave it at that. I'm going to keep reading. Ransbottom pushed Art Smith to the ground. Now, Art Smith was probably around 60 years old at the time, but I think you said he was 50-something, right? 58? 50, 57. He was 57 at the time. Tied uh-huh. Smith up with wire and was joined by Smith's wife at that point. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread that. I believe Art Smith was met late at night at the door of a rink store by Bellefontaine police officer Dean Ransbottom, Dean Ransbottom pushed Art Smith to the ground, and Art Smith was probably around 60, but he was 57 at the time. 
tied Smith up with wire and was joined by Smith's wife at the time, at that point. She was some 20 years younger than Smith, uh, he adds. The pair of them, Rand Spottom and Mrs. Smith, took Art Smith to an isolated place and did murder him. The motive was the fact that Mr. Smith and Rand Spottom were lovers, plus the rink store money, which was considerable, plus considerable life insurance on Art Smith. Well, I, uh, this, the, the author of the letter this is thinks how it is this written. is what's happened. I don't, I, we didn't go along with that, that, that he was uh, uh, met after he went out the door. We, my husband and I, and we all, my brother, we all thought he went home and whatever happened started there. Okay. So that's your belief. So there was a couple of different theories because I've also yeah. heard the theories that people believe that he was met outside. Well, there are um, some, you know. Yeah. It, okay. It it fit the prosecutors of what he presented, uh, uh, but the, everything in this letter isn't. I don't think is is every single thing. This part right here um, never went along with what we thought. Um, okay. It it would be it would look better for Ransbottom if if that was the fact because if Ransbottom was at the home with Marianne, then that wouldn't make sense to have that narrative, would it? No. (laughs) Um. Okay. Okay. Well, that's so, that's, that's interesting. So there was never anything found that could conclude that there was a struggle. Not to my knowledge, no. Okay, okay. That's very interesting. So that's where we are going to leave this tonight. On next Sunday, we're going to discuss more about why it was believed that they were in a relationship uh, and who all knew about it. And we're going to discuss more about the trial, and we're going to discuss more about the cover-up, according to Lou Williams' belief as to what happened on that fateful, fateful night, day, whenever it was and wherever it was, where Arthur Smith was murdered. So I want to thank you for coming on again. And uh, we look forward to having you on as hard as it is, I know, for you to recount this. But it's important to get your take on uh, uh-huh. on this because you are closest to this story. Uh, how do you think that uh, very quickly, because the show is about to end, but very quickly, overall, and, and the listeners are yet to hear the rest of the letter, overall, how do you feel about the consensus of who's responsible or who at least knew about the murders and what happened to your father? 
of, of what the letter states? Yes. Is that well? He he was along. He had the right a lot of it right, but but uh, that that last part I I don't believe he that he was uh, accosted out right outside the store. Right. You know, right. so so okay. you know, but I've got you know, like that's, thirty seconds. That's to our close theory. Off. But you, but you feel the, the, but you feel what the listeners have not yet heard is is compelling enough to sh- continue sharing. Yes, I, I, I'm okay. sure they want to hear the rest of the letter. Yeah, it's 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 something else. So um, we've got to leave it at there. But I want to thank you, all of our listeners. I want to thank you, Sheila, for Sheila Lyle, for coming on again tonight. And uh, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please tune back in next Sunday at the same time for a continuation of this matter. And I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told. I'm Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. Good night, everybody, and God bless. Good night, Mom. Love you.